When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Going on, Bardown Breakdown, episode 200, and tonight we are joined by Ryan Mendez, yep, of Yellow Card. You're listening to Yellow Card, that's right, we got Yellow Card hanging out with us tonight. Ryan, what's going on, brother? I was just thinking about how I played all that guitar stuff on that guitar right there. (laughs) (laughs) That that guitar I've played on every single record I've played on, and I like, yeah, all that stuff I was listening to, I was like, I use that guitar for that. For the gearheads out there, is that a PRS? It's an ESP Horizon, uh, original Horizon that I got in like 1999. Nice. I got it on eBay for like 500 bucks because the story that I heard is that uh, it was like some pawn shop selling it and someone had come into them and like pawned it because they needed to pay their gas bill or something and they didn't know what it was worth. And the pawn shop also didn't know what it was worth. So I got it on, I don't know, it was probably a $1,500, $1,600 guitar that I got for 500 bucks and it's been one of my favorites. So it's like an actual, it's an ESP, not an LTD. 100% legitimate, real, original ESP Horizon. That is one of those pawn shop steals that every gearhead wants. And what's crazy about it too is it's like the reason why I've used it on so many records and Neil Avron, our producer, like he loves this guitar because it stays in tune better than like anything we would ever have around. So we would just, it would just be like the rock. We would use it for everything. I don't know anything about gear, but that's super cool. <laughs> I love a yes. good deal. I yeah. I would never have guessed that that was a horizon from like seeing it from like where I'm at right now. Because normally people don't like that is not the most standard like ESP model that people have. That is so cool. Yeah, it's um, this is like just the I don't know the finish, everything about it. I love it. It plays yeah. so well. The tuning is amazing. It actually has five way switch, so it has like coil splitting as well. So you can do nice. some like, cool single coil stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's like. One of my all-time favorite guitars. That is sick. All right, I, I got my I got my 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 gearhead out of the awesome. out of the way on the tour, so on this podcast. But uh, awesome. yeah, let's let's dive into um, 
this like huge announcement that you guys put out on literally Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Day, wasn't it? It was. It was Valentine's Day. You guys are are going on tour. You guys are doing the 20th anniversary of Ocean Avenue. Uh, you guys have some sick bands that are on there, bands that you have played with you in the past. Um, kind of talk to us about how all this came up. Um, yeah, it's uh, it. I think we're all still a little bit surprised, honestly, because um, we were talking about this just a tiny bit before we started. Uh, but we there's a lot of bands out there that'll be like, oh, we're breaking up and they know that in a couple of years they're going to get back together and do a reunion tour. Right. That was never us ever, even though people will accuse us of it, but it's just not the case. Like we, you know, our last show was March 25th, 2017. And that was it. We thought there would never be a yellow card ever again, like legit. And there was no talk of it for years. Um, and <clears throat> our booking agent had kind of like slowly started coming to us over the last few years and been like, Hey guys, the scene is, really coming back, uh, you know, post pan, even before the pandemic, she was like, yeah, emo night's starting to happen. Like the scene seems to be coming back and then pandemic happened. It's like, okay, well, whatever. And then after afterwards, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, you know, it, it was, uh, we're like, okay, so I guess this, the scene now, you know, people are done with this pandemic. They want to go out, they want to go outside. They want to go to shows. They want to do stuff. Something about this scene of music is just, I don't know. I feel like it in some ways it's bigger than it ever has been, which is insane to me. Um, but it's just, I don't know what it is about it. And um, anyways, our, our booking agent came to us and she was like, Hey, we have some opportunities. Um, and she tried a few times and we were just like, no, no, we're not a band. Like, no. And then at some point she was like, Hey, uh, so Ocean Avenue 20 years coming up, you know, this was at this point probably a year or two ago. And um at that point we kind of started thinking about it and we started just kind of talking and discussing and realized that it would, it might be a cool opportunity. Um, and she had this idea for us to kind of, the first thing we'd ever do would be riot fest in Chicago, which we just did in September. Um, the last time we played that, I think it was like 10 years prior, we played with fallout boy. Um, and it was insane. It was one of the best shows uh, that we have ever had in Chicago. So we were like, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, and she's like, you guys should do Riot Fest. And then we should do a tour for Ocean Avenue. And we kind of just were like, all right, we're going to trust you and just sort of let you, you know, tell us what you think should happen. Uh, and so then we spent some time kind of figuring out the right package of bands. And um, what we ended up kind of like settling on uh, or sort of like where it kind of led, the package that's now, um, I am so stoked because these are some of my best friends in the music scene, some amazing bands. Uh, my, my only thought is that I wish that Amberlynn and Story of the Year were both on the whole thing, um, just because I love both of those bands, love all those guys. Um, and uh, But scheduling just is what it is, and they couldn't. Um, love Mayday Parade as well, toured with them a million times. Um, this Wildlife, um, I've met those guys a couple times. Um, our singer Ryan did some solo stuff uh, over the last multiple years, and I think he's toured with them a good amount. Mm -hmm. um, they seem to put on a really good show, and, and they're they're good dudes. So I think overall the the vibe of the tour is going to be like everyone has known each other for a long time. Everyone gets along. Everyone's friends. Um, I think if you told, you know, if you told someone twenty years ago that Amberlynn is Story of the Year and Yellow Card were all going to tour together, I think people would be like, that's sounds like pretty, pretty standard, standard. <laughs> yeah i was about to say it, it sounds like it's 2007 all over again yeah what's crazy is um 
Warped Tour 2004, I was, before I was in the band, um, I had my old band, a band called Staring Back um, from Santa Barbara. We were on like the like bottom of the barrel, most like nothing stage doing the tour, driving ourselves in a Suburban. And like we, um, I, I just remember that Yellow Card and Story of the Year were the two biggest bands on that tour. The two hugest main stage bands just killing it every single day. And uh, it was just, it's just crazy to think about that and then think about it now. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Justin and I were just like doing a quick little live stream and I was reminiscing about the first time I saw a yellow card and it was that warp tour and it was the Randall's Island date. So like I'm, I'm a long Island guy. So I, I was, it was the summer going into my junior year of high school. And for some reason, my mom thought it was a good idea to allow me to get on a train and then get on a shuttle and go to Randall's Island to go see warp tour. But she let me do it. And I'll never forget like seeing yellow card main stage, like after a long day of the sun, just kicking the crap out of me, like mud on me, like probably four inches of mud just caked on me. And like, I was really drained and like just exhausted. But then like seeing yellow card main stage at night, like with the whole light production and everything. And I was super far away. Cause like you said, yellow card was just like bl blew the heck up that summer. And yeah, every all the other stages are done and there was just like thousands and thousands of people watching just yellow card at night like it was epic it, it really was like it's a very special moment for me and that's awesome that's a really yeah. cool memory I, i'm i'm super excited too though that the fact that you kind of have this anniversary tour with kind of like yes you guys and story of the year and amberlin were like that like early 2000s wave but then you have like the next wave of like all right, then Mayday Parade came. Yeah, and now, like yep. they passed the torch on this wildlife, and, and then like I'm curious how the emo night Brooklyn is mixing in. So I, I would love a little more insight on that. So are they just doing like one opening set, or are they going to be playing like in between each of the bands? Um, my understanding is that they're going to open, um, and this might change. And I also am not a hundred percent sure of this um they were kind of it was like kind of the last thing that that was added to the to the bill um and i have heard it discussed both like kind of like being in between bands and opening this show but i'm pretty sure it's just going to be opening um and they and if it's not if it's in between honestly either way i think it's going to be awesome because like yeah. the people that are going to be at these shows are going to be here to hear that music and they're going to be getting it all night and it's like let's just lean into it you know what i mean mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I, but I do think that they're going to do like a set before, before the show starts, I believe. Well, if you want my opinion, I think having it between bands would be epic. Yeah. It'd be something cool and different. And I love when yeah. shows are a little different than like what we're used to For sure. and, and just keeping it going the whole night. Like that would be a party. Yeah. I know that. I know that that's a possibility. Um, I think it's just logistics depending on like what their setup is with other bands setting up and stuff. But I also think that I remember there's some, being some discussion about them, like, you know, having something that can roll out in between bands very quickly and easily. And there's been a lot of obviously logistical kind of figuring out what this is going to be. Um, so yeah, I wish I could give you a straight answer. It's definitely yeah. going to be one of, one of the, it's going to be one or the other, you know, uh, either way, it's going to be cool. I'm like their target demographic 100%. Like I'm almost 36 years old. Like I'm definitely the type of person that should be going to emo nights, but I've never been to one. But then we had like a festival last summer and like we hosted an elder emo night, but it was just like live bands playing emo yeah. sets. And 
that's the only one I've ever been to, but they look sick and I probably should get to one. I don't know why I haven't gone to one. <laughs> it's still funny to me. Uh, I, I, I still find the term emo just, you know, attributed to this scene of music funny because the stuff that I grew up like listening to what was emo to me was not this kind of music at all. It, yeah. So like the idea of like bands in this scene, like hot topic type stuff being emo is still funny to me. So it, it just is what it is. Yeah. I think in like the early two thousands when I was, you know, really grinding it out at shows and stuff, I probably would have been like, kind of like, no, I'm not emo dude. Like I'm a scene kid. I'm not an emo kid, but like, yeah, now I kind of just like embrace it now at well, this point. Now it's life. just become like, okay, yeah, just that, that's what it, that's what it, people call it now. And it's just whatever, you know, it's like, to me, I just always view this as like, this is all just variations of pop punk, you know, yeah. like that's what it always was to me, to me, emo is like Sunday day real estate, you know, it, like that, like sub pop stuff, like serious indie, you know what I mean? Like, which is very different from like, you know, Fall Out Boy, My Chemical Romance, like Hot Topic type stuff. So it's like all that stuff just came from pop punk, you know? Just different variations of how they like took like the DC emo scene and like integrated mm-hmm. it into what we now know as like, you know, pop punk, even though uh, Billy Joe Armstrong absolutely hates that term. Yes, um, it's, it's totally just, funny. It's what it is. It's just, yeah. a, it's combining punk music with like pop top 40 and yep. there you go. For me, like the Descendants were like, they were really one of the big, big pop punk, like, you know, destroyers. Like they, when I think pop punk, I think Descendants, I think uh, obviously Green Day uh, and, you know, and obviously then of course Blink came on a little later and got massive, but like they, those bands really, us and even Fall Out Boy and all these other bands are like, that. that's the stuff that we started out kind of wanting to play and the Fat Records stuff as well. That was a little more technical, but like it all just has roots in pop punk, you know? Yep. Well, I'm a, I'm a pop punk kid. I guess that's also. <laughs> I embrace it. I embrace it. And yes, some, sometimes yeah. we talk to like old school punk dudes and old like just hardcore bands. And I'm just like, I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm the pop punk guy. Yeah. And I, I'm all for it. I'm the hardcore but there's always metal been like... guy. <laughs> you're, all, you're all what? I'm the hardcore metal deathcore guy. Yeah. But I also love pop punk and I love whatever iteration or wave of emo is currently out at the time yeah. I'll listen to it and I love it. I mean, what, uh, what's your, what, like what, what's your metal leaning? Like what, what subgenre of metal? Oh man. So I love everything. I love progressive metal. I love black metal. I love death metal. I love death core. Um, I I'll know those to, are all things. I'll listen <laughs> to Burzum behemoth and I'll listen to suicide silence. And I'll listen Sick. to, uh, Limb Biscuit, I love new metal. Like I love new metal. I'll listen to Corn, System of a Down. Uh, I'll listen to eighties glam metal. Like I'll listen Check. to Motley Crue. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's yep. Uh, to me, it's all the same. But I think my uh, my my first love is hardcore. I love hardcore punk. Everything about it. I can talk for hours about hardcore punk. If you want to talk about California hardcore punk, you want to talk about New York, Boston. I'll go into all of it. I've this is my that's just my thing. Um, That's awesome. I yeah, asked just because like metal is like, I listen to these days forever. All I listen to is metal and electronic music. That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, this is like, I, I'm all about Swedish metal, Scandinavian stuff. Um, 
And so when you say metal, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider like Cryptodira that new, like, I know that they're a New York band, but I, I'm pretty sure that like they're as progressive, like as you can get like prog rock as they can get. Uh, I am unfamiliar with them. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're uh, hockey guys as well. I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as we're talking about the anniversary tour, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a bunch of those low ticket warnings, sold out warnings. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys were a little hesitant, like to be on a hiatus or even like technically broken up at the time. Like maybe you were like, are people still going to come out for this? And then like, seeing this early response has probably been like, all right, this is going to be sick. Were, were you a little uh, nervous at first? We were a lot nervous. <laughs> I mean, we, we, well, it's like, I mean, and like I was mentioning before, it's like, it definitely wasn't a hiatus. Like we were just straight broken up, you know? Um, and so I, I know there's something to be said for like a band that's been gone for a long time coming back. Like that usually can be worth something in terms of people wanting to see them. Um, and so I know that that there, there's some of that, but also like, you just never know, especially post pandemic, you know, like everyone's going to be touring. There's a billion shows, you know, I feel like we're kind of sort of getting into a recession a little bit, like money's tight. Like how are, how are people going to go to all these shows? And so I'm just thinking, okay, well, um, I'm just going to trust in the team that we have, like our booking agent that we've had since, I mean, she's been, she's been booking the band since before the band, before I was there, before they were signed to, I mean, geez, for their own capital. capital. Yeah. For capital. Like she's been around. She's the oldest. She's the oldest team member. She is unreal. Um, her name's Corey. Uh, and she is, she's, she's incredible. And she, the whole time she's like, Nope, everyone wants to see you. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And we're like, dude, you're going to come to us and tell us that we're going to be like, you're going to book us into amphitheaters. We've never done that before. Like even, even when the band was the biggest that they ever wore on ocean Avenue in Oh four, like a year before I joined the band, I went to go see them because I've been friends with the guys forever. I went to go see them at the Palladium in Hollywood, which yeah. is nowhere near as big as the YouTube theater that we're playing in LA. And we're, so we're just like, dude, I don't, are you sure? Like, we're not that, like, we're nervous, honestly, for sure. Um, and then day one of artist presale, so many cities, like, were very close to selling out. And we were all just completely blown away. Like we had absolutely no expectation. Uh, we were very worried about playing these really big venues and thinking like, yeah, there will be some people that come, of course, and some of you know some of the markets will be good, but like we in no way were uh, expecting how it's actually been. Yeah, I could personally speak for the Charlotte date. Like my wife and I on pre-sale day were trying to get tickets, and it was like super stressful. And then all the general mission tickets like are gone. Like for Charlotte, like all that's left in Charlotte are the VIP, like the the side stage package that you guys added, and like some of the other VIP ones, or lawn seats. Like that's it, and that's it's so like, crazy. Yeah, yeah. and, and, we, and I, I I'm was, not gonna I'm not gonna say that like the Charlotte scene's the best scene in the country either. So like the fact that that's happening in Charlotte, I'm sure it was way harder in like for example like New York that's completely sold out. Like some of those markets was probably way harder than Charlotte too. Yeah. And, and um, also like after a day or two, I mean, some of the, some of the shows were 
borderline sold out even like before it went in on general on sale like between like the artist pre-sale and then the next day was like the live nation and spotify pre-sale and then the third day was actual on sale and by the time it got there a lot of, some of the shows were basically sold out and and so i was thinking about this and i was like and i asked our manager i was like hey what can i i'm just interested can i like what were can you send me like a spreadsheet of our ticket counts for the final tour that we did just to like compare because i was like that tour some of the shows were really good and we added some extra west coast shows at the end because they're really yeah. good but like you know there were a, a lot of the shows that were just kind of like middle of the road you know like like a thousand people in minneapolis you know and didn't even sell the venue out and then this now like there's like multiple thousands of tickets sold already and it's only been on sale for two weeks it's like i don't i don't understand <laughs> it's, it's crazy think, to us I, I think a lot of that comes to kind of like our, our previous conversation talking about you know are you one of those bands that are going to go on hiatus and come back and every two years you're going to have a reunion show like i've been to so many different bands final tour so many times and i think that was kind of the that you know, 2016, 2017, that was very much what was going on. You had a yep. lot of bands that were like, we're going to do a one more final tour. And then two years later, we're going to do another final tour. So I think everybody had this mentality of like, oh, it's yellow card. They'll be back. They'll be back. And, and then two years went by and then three years went by and then the pandemic hit and then another three years went by and everyone was just like, okay, so I guess this isn't going to happen. And then y'all played Riot Fest and people started getting like, okay, maybe they're actually going to come back. Maybe like we took that for granted, like, you know, in 2016, 2017. And I think it's kind of like understanding that one, it's it's an iconic album that I, I think all, everyone in their 30s kind of grew up to. But also you guys are such an iconic band because all these emo nights that are blowing around, they start playing ocean avenue or lights and sound or way away and you have the entire crowd screaming whether or not they're 18 years old and they don't even remember you guys being a band yeah. or they're 38 years old and they remember buying you know ocean avenue pre-saving it at like sam goody um <laughs> you, you know i'm aging myself terribly but FYE. yeah fye uh yeah. there's tons of it like I remember like buying tickets to yellow card shows at like the ticket stand in my mall, just like walking up being like, here's $20, give me my yellow card ticket. But I think like to, to my point, like a lot of people took that, for, it took that for granted in 2016, 2017. And now they're kind of like, Oh shit, y'all are back. This might be the last tour. I might see you guys. Let's jump on this or let's go to when we were young fest to catch you guys, or let's do this to make sure that they can kind of get that experience in. To me, is like I think about for sure. Like, where were so many people in 2017? You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, the show really good, and we added multiple LA shows, and it was awesome. But it's like the, a lot of the other like non huge major markets were like, oh, they were fine. You know, there weren't there weren't any shows that were like terrible, or you yeah. know, they all were pretty good. But like, this is like nothing the band has ever experienced before even at the height of ocean avenue you know and yeah. so we're like okay well let's all right let's just enjoy it you know that's wild so i'm just curious the the new york date is that jones beach uh no it's at uh some pier something or other oh, um, dude, that's a sick venue that's what we've been told uh yes. was it pier 30 something 33 35 yeah like it's that? it's it's right 
I, I think that's where the first sad summer was like the fact okay. and the pictures and videos from it are like out of a movie. It's a sick spot. Yeah. We've, we've heard that it's amazing. I think it's on the newer kind of on the newer side. Um, and it's, yeah, we're super looking forward to it. Um, and it's, it's sold out really fast. And when, when is this coming out? When's this podcast coming out? April 11th. Okay. So then by now it probably would have, been announced that we're adding more shows there Say, okay you heard that. it here first <laughs> yeah. well not really <laughs> no. we'll, we'll uh, say it yeah we'll say yeah, it. yeah i'm not 100 sure exactly what but i'm pretty sure another new york show and another new new jersey show nice yeah sick and, and then was that second jacksonville show an add-on or was that always yeah. nope that was an add-on like because that show i mean that some of these venues sold some, some of these ones the jacksonville i'll come back to that because it's we're all even more blown away by that um but the the new york the la jacksonville some of those shows like the the first hour there were like three thousand tickets sold mm-hmm. and we're just it, it's funny because you know i say i tell you guys this and you're like yeah but we're, i'm i'm telling you we were like are you fucking kidding? Like, <laughs> where did this come from? You know, like we were not expecting that at all. So the Jacksonville show, because it's the band's hometown um, later that day, uh, our, our agent came and they're like, Hey, uh, live nation wants to add a second show. And we're like, dude, first of all, okay. It's amazing that so many tickets have sold and it's okay. It's clearly going to sell out, which we didn't even think it would, but like adding a whole nother show. I mean, that's, that's, there's no way we'll sell that many tickets. She's like, no, they're confident. And so we said, okay. And so then we added the show. Um, the reason that's funny to us is because the band has had such like a weird relationship with Jacksonville over the years. Like yeah. there have been so many people in Jacksonville that like kind of say like, well, F those guys, they moved to California. And like some of the ex-member drama, still some like kind of local Jacksonville people are like, oh, fuck Yellow Card, you know? So there's just, you never know what you're going to get on any given Yellow Card tour. Sometimes a Jacksonville show will rip and then sometimes it'll just be weird and we'll get heckled or, you know what I mean? Like it's just been so weird over the years. So we just had no idea what to expect. So the fact that it sold that fast and they're added a second date, definitely not planned ahead of time. And we're all just as we, there's no one out there that is more surprised than us. I promise you. So I think it's also like, it, it kind of goes to, to you know it's not only going to be like people from jacksonville going to that show because you only have two florida dates tampa and jacksonville so you'll probably have people from like orlando you'll have people from south South florida Florida going up to Mm -hmm. that show uh tons of people from south florida going up to that show because they're just going to take 95 all the way up but um i I think that kind of coincides with just you know the the sheer size of florida and just like the amount of people that are going to be buying tickets specifically one to see you know yellow card in essentially what is their hometown um but also just because the only other closest date would be either tampa or driving all the way to atlanta which is not feasible for someone from like you know miami west palm beach yeah and i and obviously like i wish we could have played south florida i wish we could have played like 30 more places that we couldn't but we were very much like we had a window of time yep. scheduling wise with everyone's availability and so we unfortunately had some cities had to be left off and you know it, it but then you know as much as it sucks for the other people then maybe some of the other shows are a little bigger because people are forced to drive unfortunately even though it's not like we've tried to do that but it we there was just we didn't have any other option you know you can't please everybody there'll be some reddit thread talking about how yellow card hates miami whatever that's correct. 
<laughs> grow yep. over it, get over it. Hundred percent, hundred percent true. <laughs> and I, I guess since we're talking shows, um, you know, a, a couple of years ago, like pretty much out of the blue, the when we were young festival and that was announced, and you know, year one went went off. And a lot of people were like even questioning that, but then year two's here and you guys are playing year two and i'm not gonna lie like this is my version of the festival like i was really disappointed when something corporate wasn't on year one when when you guys weren't on year one and like seeing this lineup i'm like all right this this one's right down my alley and yeah and i i like how they have you know mixed in a few like of the new age current bands that are yeah also playing that festival and yeah like that that's super cool and, and you know like a band like movements that's just phenomenal and they're doing great things right now and you know meet me at the altar and and you know knuckle puck and magnolia park like that that's freaking so cool to see them playing with like a green day and you know blink 182 as well so like yeah yeah i, I guess you know when when they approached you for the second one where you just like, yes, we're in. Like, yeah, of course. And, and, and we, and all, all honestly, we probably would have done the first year, uh, but we couldn't because of riot fests. We were yeah. literally yeah. contractually not allowed to. So, um, but I'm not bummed that we ended up getting on this year because for me, it's like, okay, original lineup blank and green day. It's like, okay. Like, I think that's big. I mean, I in, I think that's bigger than year one, even, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think uh, I'm super stoked on it. I love the fact that they added a second show. I hope they had a third show. Um, I mean, they did three with the first year, you know, and the, the first, the first show of this one sold out in like under 10 minutes. Yep. And then the second show that they added sold out in like 40 minutes. So it's like, okay, you could probably add a third show. What is it going to take two hours to sell out? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, uh, They're going to milk so, it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I'm actually like looking at the flyer and I, I guess I didn't see this the first time. And I, I feel like this band was like my gateway drug into alternative music. And I feel like whoever put this on must have realized that as well. Like a lot of people in their mid thirties, this was probably what got them into this type of music. And that's that band lit. Like, Oh yeah, dude, for sure. I loved that first album. Yeah. yeah. And I remember I was like probably in fifth grade when I discovered lit like, it, you know, they had probably songs on the radio. That's probably how I found out. Yeah, they had like five huge singles off that record. It they was did. back when MTV and the radio still played rock music. Well, I guess I should say back when the radio played rock music and MTV existed. So they had huge tons of singles off that record. They were massive. Ziploc bag is an anthem to oh, yeah. my middle school years. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah that's, that's, that's pretty cool to see that they're playing that. Mikey, I thought yeah, you were going to say a... Michelle Branch got you into this music. <laughs> <laughs> she did not <laughs> i uh i'm just i'm kind of stoked also like just logistically that we ended up doing the second year because then obviously there were a lot of people wondering like you know when it first was announced last year like is this gonna be like fire festival or how's this gonna go like that's yeah. too many bands like how are you gonna pull this off and then of course it's hilarious not hilarious i feel bad but it's funny that they had had to cancel the first day because of the wind although it was the right call mm-hmm. yeah it was but then, but then the other shows uh apparently went off great so i love that they could kind of get get it all kind of sorted out hopefully and and hopefully there'll be no issues you know for a year or two so let's uh, i kind of wanted because we we kind of talked about it like super briefly but riot fest last year was your first official kind of show back like it was your first show in 
what six years seven no four five years uh we're not a math podcast five and a half years (laughs) we're not yeah so talk like what was it like coming out to you know a field full of either kids to adults and just ripping a set for the first time in like five and a half years like how, how did that feel it was one of the best shows the band's ever had ever in the history of the band i mean it there was like we when it was announced the response online was like beyond overwhelming and so on one hand you look at this and you're like oh this is going to be crazy like look at this response but you never really know how that's going to translate to the show you know and it's like we got so many messages like people literally flying from all over the world and i knew it was going to be good and i thought it had potential to be really good but it, i think it just blew us all away honestly um and we were told so we closed we headlined the second stage um and we were up against the misfits who were headlining main stage and of all of the of the various bands that we could have gone up against um i i I was happy about that nothing against them but like there's not going to be too much overlap between our fans and theirs so i think it was kind of ideal for you know for for both of our fan bases um and we were told that they sold fifty thousand tickets and that forty thousand people were watching us so um it we it, that's sure what it felt and looked like uh it it was absolutely mental there was no way no way around it just being like completely mind-blowing and what's weird about about it too is that not only was it crazy from uh the, the crowd you know and in fans etc uh it also like went flawlessly we had zero technical issues which is totally something we've been plagued with for uh, always we always have stuff going on that's out of our control but everything was perfect we got to Chicago a whole week in advance and rehearsed um, many days and we played, I'm, I'm not trying to be like arrogant, but like we played really well. Like we all felt super tight. Like we felt great. We played really well. We had no technical issues. The crowd was nuts. It was like, it literally couldn't have gone any better. Honestly. So I'm sure that just sparked the flame too. And, and got you guys excited for the, the rest of this year. It did, and obviously we've we've known about all this stuff since well before Riot Fest happened, but we weren't allowed to, in, to talk about it, of course. Yeah. Um. So the fact that that went so well definitely like made us really stoked about all the stuff this year. We were, of course, already, but like, you know, it's like you still just kind of want to see how it goes, you know. And and it went so well that we're like, okay, like maybe next year will be will be really special. You know. I just love how Riot Fest had <laughs> two years of back to back like you know, Jacksonville juggernauts playing Riot Fest. In 2021, you had Limp Biscuit coming back. And then you had Yellow Card coming back last year. It's just it's just it's just such a cool thing to to even just talk about. Every time everyone talks about like, oh, like what music came out of Florida, I was just like, well, you had Limp Biscuit and you had Yellow Card come from the same city. And people are always like, no, no, they didn't. I'm like, 100 percent And it's hilarious. And I love both <laughs> bands so much. Credence. <laughs> Yeah, and you have Creed too. We're, they were technically like Jacksonville and Tampa or Clearwater too, right? Yeah, something like that. I think some of the guys, I think Tremonti might have been Jacksonville. I, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even talk about like, you know, South Florida, you had like Poison the Well. You had so many like cool bands coming out of Florida in general yep. uh, during that span of time from like 1996 to like, you know, 2010 for the most part. And even currently, like with bands like Meet Me at the Altar, you have Magnolia Park, you have a lot of really cool bands coming out of Florida, most recently, like A Day to Remember. Um, yep. So it's just really cool kind of like seeing, like I always like to rep Florida here and there because uh, we our politics aren't the greatest, 
but uh, <laughs> at least our music is. <laughs> well, for me, like, yeah, of course, that's true. Um, one of my all-time favorite records, rock records, um, is uh, The Moon Is Down from For The Seems Forever. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Florida, you know, legendary mm-hmm. Florida band. Uh, that record, when it, that's all I listened to forever when it first came out. Like, I love that album still to this day. Every single. All right. There we go. Sorry. Red <laughs> <laughs> Wings yeah, we're finally in the lead. Um, four <laughs> minutes, four minutes left, and we we take the lead. Um, so that 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 album, that band's great. Um, that album is amazing. So it's like you're talking about Florida bands, Florida music. You know, there's there's a huge one. Love Amberlynn, all you know, all Florida boys. So yep. Yeah, I I can name like a hundred bands from Florida. Yeah, that I of love. course, of course, yeah. Tons, Copeland. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Copeland, <laughs> big time. <laughs> but um, I'm just curious, like. Where are you with like rooting for the Red Wings this season? I feel like if I was in your shoes, I would be like hoping for a tank. But like, can, nope, can, no way. I'm past that. Do that. No, no, I, I was, um, I would say I was never hoping for a tank, but there were obviously a, there were a couple of the past seasons, um, where I was towards the end, I was like, okay, well, it would be cool to like get to get a better draft pick. Right. Cause like we're clearly in the, in the middle of a rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. But the stupid NHL lottery system screwed us, even though we were like, I think we ended up getting like, I don't know, seventh pick and some of you know, the way that like the, the way the whole like lottery thing can work is just, I don't know. I think they need to rethink how, how it happens because I feel like teams get screwed and we've like <laughs> never had high draft picks. Uh, even when we've been terrible the last multiple years. Um, but I will say that this season is the first season. I think that uh, we're finally starting to come out the other side of the rebuild, I think. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious, like, you know, cause you're, you're, you're like, I'm sure if you look at those like percentage graphs, like the percentage for the Red Wings to make the playoffs is probably like less than 10% at this point. Right um honestly no uh i would before the last week and a half it was a little it was definitely higher we were we were were two points out of a wild card spot like two weeks ago yep um and then we've really gone on a bad streak lately but i think it's still it's still a conversation um but it's obviously not it didn't look as nice as it did a couple weeks ago but um I'm not expecting it, but I would love to get, you know, this new crop of players, especially the young guys, some playoff experience, you know, because I think that, um, like I said, I, I think, I think we're, we're finally starting to trend upwards this year. Amen. Cool. So I definitely want to talk way more yes. just hockey and red wings, Absolutely. but before I do that, I do have a quick word from our sponsor DraftKings. So the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. And right now is the perfect time to bet on DraftKings with the NHL playoffs starting. Throw down some money on your favorite team and, you know, take advantage of all the great offers DraftKings has. So best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. 
Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, yeah, Ryan, before we started recording, I had to jump into it and, like, just kind of figure out why you were a Red Wings fan. But I guess for our listeners, can you just fill us in on why you are a – it sounds like a just Detroit fan across the board. Yep. I'll just say real quick first that it's really weird to not see Patrick Kane on the ice for the Blackhawks. Just yep. It's very, very strange. Um, just because we're playing Blackhawks right now. Um, yeah, so I'm from Detroit. I was born there. Um, I my mom moved um her and myself out to Southern California when I was super young, like a year, year and a half, but the rest of our family stayed there. Um, and uh would we would go back for like all holidays. I would spend summers there. So um even though I grew up in Southern California, Detroit's always been, you know, a, a home, a second home, an original home, um, you know, being born there. And I've been hardcore Detroit sports my whole life uh, because the town that I grew up in, Santa Barbara, it's um, about 100 miles west of L.A. So I don't really have any affiliation with L.A. sports at all. Um, never, never really did. And so it was just all Detroit sports as a kid. Um Unfortunately, that means signing up for a life of pain with the Lions, um, but I'm born into it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I've, I've just always been Detroit, everything, my whole life. Now, I'm not going to feel bad for you for being a Lions fan because you had so many dominant years being a Red Wings fan. Like, yeah. you were absolutely spoiled in the 90s. And like, I'm guessing based on your age, you were probably like, in high school maybe like middle school at that time like yep. when sports are like number one in your life and then like yeah. to have your team literally be like a, yeah. a dynasty <laughs> like at the time the best absolutely for those years come on yeah the best yeah yes without a doubt <laughs> um but, like, of course did, I didn't say that, but dude four cups in 11 years and that lineup come on yeah. did you feel like kind of like disconnected though since like you weren't there or were you still following just as as no i I still followed i still followed um obviously not being there to be able to go to games as much um but i always went whenever i could uh and what's funny is i had a really really horrible string of luck where i they would lose every time i would go watch them play at the joe always (laughs) like every single time i went to the joe to watch the wings they would lose every time until I flew there for the literal last ever game at the Joe before they switched arenas and they won that game. So that was the first time I ever saw them win at the Joe and it was their last game ever. Nice. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. I, so I think we always talk about, you know, just especially when we have Red Wing fans that are on the podcast that are old enough to remember, you know, you would just, you would, in the 1990s, you would just turn on your television and even if you weren't watching hockey, you could be watching Home Improvement or you could be watching Full House and you yep. just had a Red Wings jersey shoved in your face. Yep. And it was 100%. just like it was one of those cool things to see. Like not only was, you know, you know, hockey was definitely a little bit more popular back in the 90s and it, and it kind of, you know, is a little bit now we're seeing a little bit more of a growth. But overall, like, you know, the Red Wings were on top and you couldn't not ever like you if you did not know who the Red Wings were in the nineties, you lived under a rock for or sure. you had and, public access television. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And for me too, it's like, uh, obviously I'm biased, of course, yeah. but there are a couple of key things about the wings, especially in the nineties that um, 
I think it's tough not to get behind unless you just have some sort of hatred for, for the wings for whatever reason, but they're, they have, I mean, the city has had a rough time for a long time. Right. So being from there, I can say, obviously everyone knows and then people love to talk shit about Detroit. So it was really amazing that this team could finally do something nice for the city for a long time. It, it's been, it had been a long time since the city had anything good. Um, so that was great. Um, and then the team itself, they, in my opinion, always had some of the classiest players and the organization, everything about it. Like there was, it was just class from the top down, you know? And again, I know I'm biased, but I think most hockey fans that know hockey would agree that that was the case. I think it still is the case. Um, and, but if you look at Iserman and Lidstrom and Datsuk, it's like, you have like the most humble, smart, mellow, classy players that are also the most amazing players. And I don't know. I, I think it was easy I think it's easy to root for them and not kind of feel like a shit bag. You know, you know what I mean? And I must say like Sergei Fedorov in the nineties. Yes. Was the, the Russian cool... five. The Have Russian you seen five. the documentary? Yeah, man. It's that documentary. Is so good. That Russian yep. five one. Yep. But uh, yeah, like his, just him wearing the Nike gloves, the Nike skates, like, so freaking cool, man. Yeah, he was he's he's a legend. Yeah, that, that team was absolutely insane to watch. And um yeah, it, it's you know, I'm really, really happy to have been able to like grow up with that because obviously before that era there was a whole lot of nothing for a really long time. And a lot of that was not in my lifetime, but some of it was, you know. Um and Iserman came came to town and was like, Okay, like let's let's build a real team, you know. Yep, and he's doing yeah. it again. Well, yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question because yep. I don't know. I, I feel like the the rebuild, I think, you know, because people in Detroit just have – they admire Yeiserman. Like, he, he in their eyes, he can do no wrong. Like, as an outsider who's not, you know, personally connected to the team, I'm like, I don't know. This rebuild is a little questionable. Um, I, I think – you know, locking up Dylan Larkin was a, like anyone would have done that. Like you, you got to yeah. lock him up. Super um, important. But going through your your lineup right now, it's definitely very heavy on on like young prospects. And you know, you're, I I know that you guys just like recently called up another goalie from like the ECHL or like maybe maybe the AHL. But you know, the the goaltending's still a little questionable. Like, where where are you feeling? like the rebuild is at this point. I know you said like before you were thinking that it's kind of on the upper trend. You, you you truly believe that this is like the core you got at least like two or three pieces to build around. I think there's pieces. Yeah. Um, I do think it's on the upward trend. I think this is the first season in multiple years that the team has felt exciting to watch, has felt competitive in every game. Even there's been so, so crazy with some games that we've gotten blown out so badly but what's weird is a lot of those games, it still felt like we were there. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. the past years, it just felt like not, it's just like, okay, yeah, this is a pure rebuild. This team, this team this year seems like they're ready to compete. It seems like they are, they, they have this, they have a never give up aspect that they haven't had. They, um, they seem to be a threat in each game. And until, I mean, this, they started, the season started out pretty strong, kind of went down a little bit. Then uh, really started picking up uh, about a month ago, and then lately has been going through a shitty losing streak. Although finally just beat Chicago right now, which is great. Um, and I I think 
I'm I'm sitting there watching all the things that Azerman's doing. First of all, all you have to do is look at Tampa to be like, okay, Azerman yeah. can do this as successfully as it's possible to do. Um, I was going to bring that up too because, like, with Tampa, like it wasn't overnight. Like he, it took him like eight years to build Tampa, yep. and yep. he wasn't even around when the team actually won the back-to-back. He had already left. But yes. I think his legacy of of signing Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Braden Point. He even had like Ryan McDonough, Sergachev's. Like he he built that team. Yes. And like I always say, like Rome wasn't built in a day. And you know, like yep. you know, he he just went back over to Detroit. It's going to take him a few years to kind of get Detroit to where they are going. But I can see one hundred percent a resurgence of you know Detroit being this massive player in the Eastern Conference again. Yeah, and the way I look at it is like you're you're exactly right. So he, regardless of whether or not he was literally in that position when they won those cups, he a hundred percent built that team. He just did, right? He built them. And then what's awesome in terms of like the future, I look at the fact that he built that team. They basically they they built and built and built. They got better and better and better. And then they like arrived as like kind of the premier team in the league. And it still took them a while to finally win, but they were there for multiple seasons before they got to that point. So it's like, they just hadn't won yet while he was still there. But like, you know, to your point, yeah, it's going to take a while. Cause like he looked at, he built that team, they got insane and then they still didn't win for a few seasons. Right. I mean, look at the caps, right. Same type of thing. They're yep. the best team in the league for how many years before they finally won. And I'm not saying that that's always going to be the case, but the idea of it taking some time, even after the team is good, it, that's, that's just how it, that would this go. You know? Some people are just a, hotter than others. I also think that I would rather have a slow burn and get there slow and grind it out together than like high draft picks and, and flash in the pan type stuff uh, that have also happened, you know, in, in many recent years. So um, yeah, I, 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 again, I'm biased, but I totally trust what he's doing. Um, every single time I see a movie makes, I'm like, wow, Steve, like you're just, you're, he's aggressive. And I'm like, look, yeah, let's do it. Do, do it do what you want. Um, the one thing I will say is I am sad about Bertuzzi. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really sad about it. Uh, he and Larkin have been super close for a long time. They worked great together. I loved his grit. I loved him as a player. Um, I understand the situation that, that was happening at the time. So I think that he made a good business decision, but that's the one that has really kind of stung so far. Um, but I support his decision. I'm just trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want a Tampa or you don't want a Toronto or, or Rangers situation where you have all these big players and they can't do nothing. They, they hate each other. They can't play together. Yeah. Well, and also like, I mean, my understanding, obviously no one knows other than them, but like, you know, he was going to be a free agent. And my understanding is that they were not very close to, to making a deal. So mm-hmm. it's like, what he's going to let him, he's going to leave for nothing. I mean, or you're going to get something. It's a, it's a, it's a shitty position to be in, but I understand the decision that he made. It just sucks because I, he, I thought he was part of this young new core. I mean, he was part of the core and he had to be, I think he had to be moved again, a business decision, but um, uh, that, that, that one, yeah, that one stung. That's how yeah. I thought with Tyler Johnson. So I completely understand. <laughs> well, we all know I'm, I'm an Islander fan, so no one wants to be Islandered where your superstar leaves and you get absolutely nothing because we know what that's like. Yeah. yeah. Well, it still hasn't worked out so far for him. I, I can t- 
talk for hours about him and <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want to seem like I'm super bitter, but I, I just, I question not him as a hockey player, but him as a, as like a leader and a motivator. I, I just, he doesn't have the personality to like put the team on his back. I, I really don't with Tavares. I don't. Well, for me, I am never going to be bummed about the Leafs not winning. So <laughs> yeah. uh, they have, they have way, way, way too much talent for way too many years to not be winning, but they somehow just keep not winning. So I, I love that they haven't won a cup since the sixties and I love it every single day. Yep. Same. They, <laughs> like they, the right. they, they do not deserve it. They don't deserve it. You're right. They're like the Yankees. If the Yankees never won anything. Yeah, for sure. But like the Yankees are only the Yankees and they only act like the Yankees and their fans only act like Yankee fans because they've won so much. Yeah. So what reason do the Leafs and the Leafs fans and media have for acting the way they do? They have none. They don't have zero. a reason. They have zero. <laughs> Absolutely. So every season that goes by with them, you know, a nice first round exit or, or something, I'm just like, ah, okay. Yeah. And, and who knows, man, it, it looks like, you know, they could possibly have to play, you know, Boston or, or one of those. Do. Yeah. So like do. that, that would be just, the recipe for them to get an Dude, early exit. <laughs> where the hell did Boston come from this year? Is is my question. Dude, like they literally have only lost eight games in yeah, less than ten games. Yeah, yeah, they're That's a crazy. rebuild team. But like they, overnight, they are that good. That is crazy to me. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. The right like in place. Yeah, for sure. And and I, I mean. I don't really care about Boston. I, I I don't really have feelings about them either way. I don't, yeah. you know, we've never really had any sort of uh, any rivalry. I appreciate another original six team. So it's like, okay, whatever. I got no hatred for them. Uh, I would love for them to eliminate Toronto. That would be great. Uh, yeah. So I, I just have like a, a personal connection to your coach. Um, he actually went to the same college as I did. Which, did he? Yeah, so it's a super small school in upstate New York. It, it's SUNY Cortland. And okay. it's just crazy to think that, like, an alumni from my college is coaching in the NHL. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I was unfamiliar with him before Eisenman hired him just because I'm not really up on every assistant coach for every team, you know? Yeah. Um, I do find it funny that him and Blashill that just switched places. Uh, but like, I know Blashill and, and John Cooper have been friends for a long time. So that's, it's not that surprising, but like, yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I, I am fairly neutral on the lawn as well because I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm just going with Azerman's plan and let's see how it goes. I definitely think there needed to be a coaching change probably like three seasons ago. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad he finally did it. Um, and it wasn't some big high profile name. I like his vibe. He seems, he seems like he's got a good Detroit vibe. It, when I say Detroit vibe, I mean, the wings have a lot of times just had fairly kind of humble, you know, at least players, obviously. Um, and so he seems, he seems chill and I'm just going to kind of see how it goes, you know? Yeah. And you know, it seems like Geiserman has a way of like finding those diamonds in the rough like yes. same with cooper like yep the dude was coaching like peewee hockey in boston or whatever <laughs> like he was the the rise to being a coach for the in the nhl for a cooper is like a, a movie should be made about it that makes no sense yeah i think you look at some of the tampa players that he signed at the time you'd be like what okay well but then like 
they fit into the team and then they became a juggernaut. Like, so he, I don't know. I think he's got an eye for it. And that's why I'm just like, I'm here for it. Do it, do it, Stevie. Cool. So, you know, one thing that we love to talk about on the podcast is just like some of those cool crossover stories where like your hockey world and your music world kind of interconnected. And, and like we were talking how, you know, yellow card has been on a bunch of, soundtracks but unfortunately never one of the nhl soundtracks so like do you have any kind of crossover story where you were like this is epic like my hockey world and my music world have crossed uh i don't know the day that the red wings followed me on twitter was a probably a pretty happy day for me <laughs> <That's sick. laughs> um like many years ago at this point uh and it's, it's cool. I mean, like back when the blue check mark used to mean something, you know, it, it's like it, you get these, you know, other accounts to notice you. And for whatever reason, like I, I would always just keep, you know, writing them and, you know, tweeting about games and stuff. And uh, the girl who's now a friend who was running their social media at the time, uh, she, yeah, she started following me. And then um, there were a couple of times where I would come to town and I actually, uh, she allowed me and some family to go and take a tour of the Joe um, just on an off day. Nice. Um, which was incredible. Uh, saw Chelios walking down the hallway as we did it and was pretty starstruck. Um, <laughs> that's so funny and... because <laughs> that, that's literally like every person that we talk to on this show, like when they meet a hockey player, totally starstruck. But when yeah. they meet like a celebrity or someone else that's like in a band that they idolize, like totally cool with it. But once they meet that hockey player, they're like totally frozen yeah yeah i think uh it, yeah it, it was just it was a really cool experience um and uh i think like i don't know big picture hawk uh or, or crossover stuff they they kind of would start playing like some yellow card songs like in between like at, at in the arena and stuff uh cool. and which is super cool obviously like it doesn't you know it's not that big of a deal but to me i'm like dude that this is amazing my, my team is like playing my band you know um, of course, it's always going to be songs that I didn't have anything to do with, but, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's so awesome. Anyway. I see that in jest. Yeah, I think it's like they're, it's more like they're playing it because you're such a fan, too. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it's like that weird crossover. I think we were talking we have another, uh, you know, uh, musician on the podcast not too long ago who is a big uh, Devils fan. And the Devils actually invited him to light the uh, the pitchfork. <laughs> Like awesome. that they do at the beginning of the games, and he was just like, "I didn't like that." Was like the coolest experience I've ever done. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So we and, always love talking about like cool tour stories like that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I wish I had a cooler. I wish I had cooler stories regarding that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's just being I don't know being noticed on social media by them. That's pretty cool to me. <laughs> That's all I got for you. Well, and I think you got to give yourself a little credit. Like, yes, you weren't necessarily like on the recordings for some of those older yellow card songs, but like you've been playing them for like 15 longer years. Than anyone else. <laughs> like yeah, longer yes. than everyone else. Like yeah. they're your songs too at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, I, and I'm always, I always have like a tinge of self-deprecation when it comes to the, the band's old stuff in me. It's a, it's, it's mostly a joke. So yeah. That's why. Oh, that was, that was before my time. You know, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> now do you have any like homies from back in the day when you guys were touring heavily that like you got excited that they were on the tour package because you knew they were <laughs> hockey dudes as well 
Yeah, so Arun, the guitar player for Saves the Day, um, is a huge, huge Wings fan. Uh, mm -hmm. And we toured. Um, that was crazy for me, too, in a, a number of ways, because like growing up, like I loved Saves the Day when their first couple albums came out. Like I was a huge Lifetime fan and Saves the Day came out and they were like, oh, here's the new Lifetime because Lifetime's gone. Um, and so I loved them from back in the day. So the fact that we got to tour with them, we actually shared a bus with them in Europe in 2011. Uh, and then Arun, their guitarist, uh, from Detroit, huge Wings fan. So that was just an awesome, we're still totally friends. And, you know, we would just talk about the Wings, all Detroit sports, to be honest. Um, that was, that was super cool. Um, there's, oh, he's the main one, I would say, honestly. Um, there, I'm trying to think of other Michigan bands that I know of these days. I can't think of a ton that I'm currently friends with or, or, He's probably the main one. We came as Romans, uh, for sure. Um, did some shows with them back in the day. Yeah, not a not a ton of Michigan fans that are like also big sports fans in 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 our path crossing back in the day. Okay, and and it doesn't necessarily only have to be like a Red Wing fan. Like for example, you know I I know Ryan has a podcast with Nick from Bayside. Like Bayside, yeah. you know Nick's a yep. huge hockey fan. So like yeah yeah yeah. Yep. I'm sure there's a ton of, you know, also guys that from, from the scene that might root for a different team, but you know, you probably, yeah. Yeah. Nick, for sure. Um, a couple of the guys in story of the year, they're all big St. Louis fans. Um, but like, um, Joshua drummer is huge, huge, uh, huge fan. And, um, Amberlin, I mean, they're all, they're all lighting fans. They're all, yeah, they're all, we, had, we had Nate on. Nate. Oh, you had Nate on. Yep. And it's awesome. one of my favorite people in the whole world. This is how we uh, we scout other bands to bring on the podcast is by asking you like, "Oh, who do you know that that like likes hockey?" So this is how we scout them. I had no idea yeah. that the story of the year guys were Blues fans. St. Louis fans. You know, I, I knew they were from St. Louis, but I oh you know, yeah, they're hardcore St. Louis like sports for sure. I mean, not all the dudes in the bands are sports guys, but like Josh, their drummer, big time sports fan. Um, uh, Phil, the guitarist, who's not in the band anymore, but he's also a huge fan. Uh, he's actually a big soccer fan. Um, he and I always connected over that. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, they're definitely blues fans, big time blues fans for sure. He actually, you probably be a good guest for you, Josh, their drummer. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll I will follow up with him now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna see him a whole bunch pretty soon here, and I can I can pass on a good word for you. Yeah, I know it's going to be over the summer, but there are a few hockey guys on the tour too. Like, I believe Andrew from This Wildlife is a, a Penguins fan, or no, Anthony, right? Anthony, Anthony. I think Anthony. Yeah, is I didn't realize that. Penguins Damn fan. It. Yep. And then, like you mentioned, the Amberlin dudes. You know, Nate is a a Bolts fan. So there's some exactly. hockey. Yeah, there's yeah. some hockey dudes on tour. All right. Well, I guess I got to gear up for being on tour with the Pens fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I at least know he has definitely like a Pittsburgh Penguins tattoo, like pretty big on like his arm or something. But he probably got it in 2010, right? <laughs> probably. Did he know they had a team before that? That's, Already that's, starting that's classic, it. That's yeah. a classic Penguins fan right there. They discovered he, hockey in 2009. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the chirping that you need to do like on the run is just be like, it's like, hey, when when the, when the bandwagon start for you? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> oh, was it when the was it wasn't it when the NHL gave you like number one picks multiple years in a row to keep the team from moving to Kansas, or was it like before that? When it was, when they were <laughs> I to love this. 
Like, Same. was it like when they were like trying to make Crosby be like the next golden child? Was it when like the refs were just routinely looking the other way at penalties the pens would commit? Or like what which point did you discover that hockey existed as a sport? Probably at some point in there, right? Yeah. I think between pens fans just becoming hockey fans just because they were just the top of the league in like the 2009s to 2013s. And then yep. my other favorite thing, even though I am a Bolts fan, is just making fun of Bolts fans because they have no idea any of the rules of hockey. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. the funniest thing ever. I yeah. love doing those jokes. Yeah. I, what's funny is like, I have, I mean, I obviously like, you know, love Amberlin dudes, like tight with them. I got no ill will towards, towards the Bolts. And I actually have a little bit of soft spot there just because of Stevie, you know? Yeah. Um, so I got, I got a problem with them, but yeah, it is funny, like to see fans of teams in general where a a chunk, I mean, dude, honestly, like obviously Blackhawks are like a legendary team, but like they have a whole new crop of bandwagon fans since they got good that didn't, you know, like their newspaper were printing like, Oh, this is how icing works. Like, okay. (laughs) Like we have a hockey team now, you know, starting in (laughs) 2000, you know, 10 or whatever it was. Right. So yeah, <laughs> same same kind of thing. I put like the Blackhawks fans and the and the Penguins fans, like they all just decided to know that their teams existed, you know. Yeah. No one can ever say that about the Islander fans because that's yep. We've only had misery and we still just let yeah. it happen. Well, you have not only ever had misery. Let's just hold on a second because there might have been a year or two that you guys won how many cups in a row or how many yeah well i wasn't born yet so unfortunately okay, but i never got to experience any of that like, as a lion fan i can say that we've never even been to a super bowl yeah so. yeah i, I get it i get it i also had a lot of good years i know they were before your time but still yeah and and you know the the past you know not counting last season but the the trots years were some of my favorite years of being an Islander fan. That was just special. And I thought you guys were on your way. Yeah. It, we're, you know, we're still hanging in there this season. We might sure. you know, steal one of those wild card spots. Dude, and... All you got to do is make the playoffs and anything happen. Well, that that's the thing. Like the, anyone, the, any the team. team, but truthfully, the Islanders team specifically, and, and they literally had an ESPN game last night and, you know, PK Subban's pretending he's sleeping. He's like, oh, this team's so boring because the Islanders are a system playoff team. Like once we get in, that's why we were able to go on that, you know, those two crazy Eastern Conference runs is because we do play like a boring system shutdown defense game. Which, like Which can work really well in the playoffs. Really, sure. really well in the playoffs. Yep. So side note, I'm really bummed that Subban retired. I didn't even realize it. And I saw him uh, hosting the all-star game or whatever he was doing. I was like, wait, did he, is he gone? And I looked it up and I'm like, dude, what? I don't understand. Like he had years left. I don't get it. Oh, he definitely did. I think he's 100%. I thought he felt like kind of like, you know, the Dustin Bufflin situation where like Dustin Bufflin just like fell out of love and with hockey. Like he like literally hated hockey. Sure. And And I thought that was going on with Subban, but then, it doesn't make sense that now he's back doing the broadcasting and doing like, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, it made me question that too. Hey man, but, Tony Romo is a way better commentator than he ever was a QB. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> so it could happen <laughs> with Subban. Yeah. <laughs> Subban was a pretty solid hockey player. I would have yeah. taken Subban in a heartbeat on my team. Same here. Yep. Yeah. Definitely one of the best, like one of the best out of like in his class, I would say. Dude, for sure. Even Just his mobility. Yeah, yes, for sure. Big time. Yeah. 
I, I think he just kind of like went down that path where he thought that maybe he could be like a celebrity because he like yeah. he was dating Lindsey Vaughn like yeah, and the they had like a little reality show and I thought like maybe he got like that got to his head a little bit yeah and then people realized like yeah you're a hockey player we like you walking down the street we probably wouldn't even recognize you I also was surprised because like what was he 33 when he retired or something as, <laughs> yeah, as a defenseman I he got a lot more years as a defenseman you know so that was that was surprising to me yeah well also surprising how bad the ESPN broadcast has been like it I miss, it was I miss Gary Thorne yeah it was brutal last night because like the Islanders truthfully don't get too many ESPN games, and it, I could not it really enjoy last night. It was not yeah. enjoyable. I would rather have my team not have any of them because I Same. love our commentators so much Same. that I don't want any. I hated so much when we would get the NBC Sports games. They had a freaking Eddie Olchek as the color commentator, and he's like a diehard Chicago fan. So it's like we play the, we play the Blackhawks on NBC Sports, and like one of the dudes is just a straight-up, chicago guy you know what i mean it's like that that's not it's not unbiased guys come on yeah i did like when doc emmerich called games i love yeah, that i like i like doc yeah i miss that and and just, you know truthfully the islanders have one of the best with brendan burke and when he does the national games i'm sure people appreciate him because he's he he's really just a true professional he he isn't like an islanders homer i, yeah. I, I feel like he's pretty neutral yeah, that's good. That's always good. I, I really, really hate announcers that are, I mean, it's like, it's okay. I think and understandable to like, you can tell that they're a fan of the team that they're calling, but still just being neutral when it comes, when it matters in the right ways, like giving the other team credit for stuff and like saying like when your team like, Oh, that, yeah, that was a penalty. Yes. Yep. That was a hook, whatever. You know what I mean? Like just some of the, I don't know, some of the West coast teams, I feel like some of their announcers are just like, their team can do no wrong and they're just always it's just like dude yeah we get it you're this is you're announcing for this team but man like it's just it's annoying you know lay yeah. off a little bit yep and i think it's important too because like detroit and chicago not necessarily like in hockey specific but in sports in general they're they're just rivals yeah like both cities are just such big rivals whether it's the pistons and the bulls or you know the the tigers and the cubbies you know, they're, they're just all rivals for the most part. Um, where even like, you know, looking at like baseball, people will think like, you know, St. Louis and the Cubs have more of a rivalry, but you get Detroit and Chicago together. Like yeah. they're, they're big fans. Like they even had it in fucking new girl, the sitcom you know, <laughs> about how big of a rivalry that they are. And, and it's just really cool to, to kind of see. And especially when you have games like that, you, you have to have some type of a neutral, you know, commentator because, you're going to get those people that are going to be like, no, he's rooting for fucking Chicago. Fuck this guy. Yep. But side note, that's why I always loved that uh, Cameron was wearing a Wings jersey in first Bueller's day off. Yeah. One of one proud moment for Wings fans. Yeah. Just once again, you know, hockey being kind of at its peak in the 80s and 90s. I, yeah. I would love to see that happen again. Just more like yeah. pop culture references with hockey. You just don't see it too much. I agree. I think the lockout definitely hurt the growth of the league. Obviously it's been some time now, um, but I feel like the league was really moving up when that happened. So that was shitty. Yeah. Um, I also am, I'm bummed on behalf of Ovechkin who I would love to see 
break the goal scoring record. That definitely didn't help his cause. Um, but the, uh, I think, yeah, it would be nice if the league could continue to grow and, and get kind of up, up in the same tier as some of the other professional sports that are, in my opinion, not nearly as exciting as hockey. Well, with baseball kind of changing things around a little bit too, I think you will, we'll start trying to see, you know, hockey kind of moving up because it's a little bit more exciting than, you know, baseball, like baseball had to add the pitching clock to make games more exciting and not last as long, but it's still like, (laughs) but I think it's just one of those things that like, like, you know, if, if people give hockey a chance, I think hockey is one of those things that like, if you go to a game, it can go to a game. It can without a doubt. You go to a game, you're a fan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I, I feel like that's what just needs to happen is just, just like have some of these teams, you know, just invite or give out like free tickets. I know like Tampa did it, St. Louis did it when they were starting out as expansion teams. The Panthers did it when they were an expansion team, and that's how they converted a lot of these people to kind of like loving the sports. And like even like down south, like you have Panthers fans that will literally just bleed red and blue. Like that's all they do. They're diehard Panther fans. Like they will never. Like they hate Tampa, they absolutely dislike anything else that's just not Florida Panthers, and like those are kind of like the fans that you need just because those expansion teams worked so hard to just bring people in to convert them. I think Nashville's a good, um, a good you know expansion team that did that as well. Yeah, I think they Nashville has has been successful. I think building a, a pretty decent fan base. I just I wish the freaking Coyotes would move back to Canada. I wish they would have moved back to Winnipeg. I'm so bummed that that missed opportunity to just return to their home, you know, because uh, I lived in Arizona for many, many years. uh, And I can tell you firsthand that Coyotes fans, I would go see the Wings and Wings jerseys would outnumber Coyotes jerseys by a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Coyotes games. They yeah, that team needs to go to a city that loves them. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not there. I I have kind of mixed feelings on that. I think if the Coyotes have just a deep run, and, and that's truthfully, like, think about it. Nashville had a deep run. The Bolts have had a deep run. Like, Arizona just hasn't done it yet. And that's the same with, like, the Thrashers. Like, the Thrashers didn't have a deep run, and that's why they haven't been successful. That's, like, playoff hockey is, like, yes, go to a hockey game gets you hooked, you go to a playoff hockey game and you yeah. are a fan for life. Like there's no sport that can even compare to playoff hockey. I, I yeah. and I'm not just saying that because I'm a hockey fan. Like there's no comparison. I agree. I agree. I can tell you though that I did go to some playoff Coyotes games. I went to a Wings Coyotes playoff game, uh, and yeah, of course the place was full of people who just found out that hockey was a sport and were waving their little white towels that they were handed when they walked in and blah blah blah. And then the next season, they were back to last in the league in attendance. You know, yep. So yeah. like, I, I, for the the fans there, I feel like, I don't know, they need more than one season. Or, yeah. I mean, I was always told by people who lived in Arizona that Arizona sports fans are notoriously fickle. I'm not trying to talk bad about them. Just they are, whether they're Diamondback fans, Suns fans, they're all Cardinals fans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, they're there when things are going kind of okay. I mean, kind of had a couple of good years where they made the playoffs and they were decent, you know. But then next year, they're dead last in attendance again. So. Just move them over to Hartford and bring the Whalers back. Absolutely, yes, for sure. Just break or, up those Boston fans a little bit. Yep, or Quebec City. 
Or yeah, or the Nordiques. Oh, that yeah. How about so don't pretty. how about don't give Hamilton a team unless Toronto can finally win? You know, you don't get two teams when your first your other team can't do shit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Are they talking about Hamilton? Dude, that was a that was like a discussion for a long time. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I'm an Islander fan, so it was always Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City, and like, well, that was almost the Pens. Yeah, I just don't know why that was even brought up i don't, I don't think kansas yeah. city would would work for hockey you know, yeah. so. portland but would be I a good city though yep they they got a good minor uh minor league team good system there uh i think that would be good i think uh seattle out of nowhere is just good this year that's kind of weird you yeah know? like that's that's interesting it was funny i think we were all expecting the kraken to be like the knights just to like come yeah. out first season blow yes. everybody out of the water yep. But it took a little bit to kind of like get their their momentum up. But it's cool seeing the Kraken do what they're doing. Just, I agree. It's just such an unfortunate name. It is. Well, it's better than the sockeye salmon. <laughs> so. well, the, the the city voted on it, I think, right? And yeah. so, like to me, I'm like, okay, well, fine. If they voted on it, fine. But I still think it's a shitty name. It, it was between the Kraken and the sockeye salmon. So I kind of wish it was a sockeye salmon, to be honest. <laughs> at least there would be some comedy to it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, we just got beat by the salmon. <laughs> well, up north this winter. It's so oh, funny. Like... Year one of Bar Down Breakdown, we had Nick from Gatsby's American Dream, which is a Seattle band. Oh, I'm well aware of Gatsby's. That's crazy. I haven't thought about those dudes in forever. Yeah. Well, they're doing a 20-year reunion show. Yeah. And, you know, this is when, like, the first news broke that Seattle was getting a team. And Nick was like, all right, what are we going to be called? And we were kind of shooting off the names that were kind of floating out there. And we were like, yeah, and we're hearing that maybe it's going to be the Kraken. And he's like, would the fans just be crackheads? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget that. I'm just yeah. like, I mean, huh. now, yeah, definitely. Yeah, now you guys are crackheads. What was that uh, That movie? It was, I think it was Acceptance, where they had the South Harmon Institute of Technology and there were the shitheads. Yep. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. That's wonderful. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I don't think Golden Knights is a great name either. I think it's a little better than the Kraken, but I just, I don't know. It's tough to like a brand new team. You have to come up with that out of thin air. So, yeah. new name, new colors, new logos, new branding, new everything. I feel like, no matter what they do, it's just going to seem janky. Like it's just brand new. You know, it's like, we look at all the teams that have been around for a long time. It's like, well, I mean, a lot of, Oh yeah, they're all so classic. Well, yeah. Well, part of that is because they've existed for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think the expansion teams have a tough road ahead of them without a doubt. I'm glad to see the teams doing well because I want the league to do well. Amen. I totally agree with that. Although Minnesota sure. should have been the North stars instead of the Dallas stars. Of course. I don't understand how Minnesota can't win. That's like legendary hockey market. Like what? Come on guys. Like what's happening there? You know? Yeah. They, Dude, their college system is like one of the best. Yep. But they're all going to other teams. I know. But like, why don't they stay there? You know, I remember when Parise went there, I was like, okay, well, Parise and Ryan Suter are going there. Like, all right, now this team's going to do some stuff, you know? Cause they're not the North stars or the wild. Once they change the name back to the North stars, everyone will go back. Do you know what's funny? And I, I have no way to prove this, but I promise you that this is true. Is that I always said that the Mighty Ducks would not win until they changed their name away from the Mighty Ducks. And when did they win their cup? The little the year after. That's correct. Yep. 
That's cr- I, and I love the Mighty Ducks. Like I, Me too. I, I was, I was laughing because I was like, I, I thought I was wearing my Mighty Ducks hat, but I'm wearing my Bucky's hat. But Dude, I have, I go ahead, go ahead. I have a Mighty Ducks hat that's in the uh, their current color like scheme. And I love it. I was, I was hard rooting for them in 03 when they were playing the Devils in the finals, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and obviously they didn't win. But like, yeah, I, like who didn't grow up loving the Mighty Ducks, right? You know. Of course, now that they're just the Ducks, I freaking hate them. Obviously, because of multiple playoff altercations with them and they were just a bunch of shit bags and dirty players but you know <laughs> but uh yeah the the um the ducks uh i think that's a perfect example of changing the name then you are successful so maybe the minnesota wild need to just go back to being the north, north stars. stars but also hey, going man. back to the ducks conversation i don't think anybody was going to beat marty broder that's in true 2003. that's true i agree i agree I, I will remember i'll say i remember that one moment where Scott Stevens knocked Paul Korea unconscious. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, after the game, Korea was like, no, I wasn't unconscious. Like, dude, it's on freaking camera. And like, you took a breath on your visor, but he came back later that game and scored an epic goal. And Gary Thorne had an epic call of it. Uh, he goes, he's like streaking down the left wing and, and he goes, Korea, the fans want one. And then immediately scored. It was just like, it was, it was, it was an amazing hockey moment. So just like, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of like, you know, creeping up on a little bit over, over an hour. We uh, definitely want to just have you plug away, you know, kind of, you know, what's, what's going, if no one knows what's going on with yellow card right now. Yeah. You, you do know what's going on with yellow card right now. Everyone yeah. knows what's going on. Yeah. Yellow everyone card. should know what's going on with yellow card yeah. right now, but yeah. yeah, kind of shoot away. Like, you know, you, you got the amazing tour going on, anything else mm-hmm. that's going on, you know, either with you musically outside of yellow card definitely like plug it away it's been an, an, an amazing conversation we've had so far yeah and i appreciate you guys having me on it's been super fun um obviously uh yellow card stuff we're touring um summertime uh i w- wish i could be like oh go blank go to our website go to our instagram i don't even know off the top of my head i don't i don't even know what our current website is called to be honest with you. that's how good of a that's how good of a of a band person i am but i know that it would be very easy to search yellow card tickets online and, and find tickets um and uh and and you should do that if you want to come to the show because a lot of the cities are super low tickets um much to my surprise um we're in a, my pleasant surprise we're super stoked uh to, to go out and, and do that um we're doing when we we're young in vegas at this point two shows that's uh, uh, in october um and ultimately we're just going to try to have a fun time enjoying celebrating 20 years of ocean avenue uh there's definitely been some confusion online. We are not playing the record Ocean Avenue start to finish on the tour. We're going to play a whole bunch of stuff from a whole bunch of records. Nice. Um, so it, you know, some people are like, well, you're playing Ocean Avenue. It's like, no, we're celebrating Ocean Avenue, but that doesn't mean we're playing the record. So that's, yeah. that's, we were playing a, we we're playing a full set of songs from all the records. I'm sure we'll play half of Ocean Avenue or more, but like, uh, you know, right. Fest, we played the record in its entirety. Um, that's not what this is. We're going to do a proper tour, the proper set. Um, and, uh, we're doing slam dunk festival in the UK in May. We are playing ocean Avenue there. Um, and that'll be great. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to try to enjoy the opportunities we have to celebrate the record this year, you know, uh, and enjoy it while it's here and while people want to come and hang out at shows. Um, it's been a long time and we thought we would never get to do this again. So, and that, and that's true. We did not plan on this at all. So the fact that we have the opportunity and that it seems to be as in demand as it is, is really, really humbling. And, and, uh, we're really, really looking forward to it, making a great show and, and 
you know, getting out there and talking to fans and just having a really nice time. Um, and then the last thing I would say is I actually do have another musical project uh, with Ryan, our singer. He and I have an um, electronic project called Jetta, J-E-D-H-A. Um, it is completely as different from Yellow Card as it possibly could be. It's just all instrumental, like ambient electronic stuff. Um, long, like six, seven, eight minute long songs, like totally like very cinematic, very, um, I mean, you could literally call it EDM, but it's definitely not, doesn't sound like something you would really like listen to in a club, but it's, yeah. uh, it's very, a lot of very organic stuff, a lot of piano, some strings, uh, but some like beats and bass and stuff like that. Um, nice. but our, uh, you can go to our Spotify Jetta J E D H A. Uh, we actually have a record coming out. We have a single coming out next week, um, and then a record coming out April fourteenth. I think that's happening, um, and that's something that he and I have been working on for a long time, uh, many years actually. And it's cool that the Elkhart stuff is happening this year because it will actually give us a, a platform to be like, hey, also check out this this other music yeah. that we're doing. Um, we. We scored a film, an indie film, a couple of years ago with under this moniker. Um, nice, all super ambient stuff. It was, it was amazing, super fun, uh, and yeah, I know it's a lot different than Yellow Card stuff, but a lot of Yellow Card fans that have heard it have been really into it. So we would love people to check that out. Nice, and then uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see you guys in three years for the twentieth anniversary for Lights and Sound. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know about that. No. It's just funny. I just like I love what I we we put like a, a couple questions on Reddit just to see what everyone was like thinking and ask questions, and uh, I just love reading comments from people. It's just so funny sometimes. The comment sections on the internet are just the the best and worst places in the world. Yep, that yeah. is a fact. Particularly in YouTube, YouTube comment section is the cesspool of the internet. Oh, wait till you see uh, emo Reddit subreddit on. Ooh. That's that's pretty bad. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I might go check that out. I haven't even looked at Reddit since we announced um, all the stuff we're announcing. I'm sure people are talking all kinds of shit. One hundred percent. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Good for them. <laughs> we, you know, no, I will say one last one last thing is the we one of the most fun things we ever did online is we actually did an AMA on Reddit. Like I don't know, ten year, 2013, 14, sometime around then. Yeah. Uh, but it was awesome because in the past, whenever we've done stuff like that, whether it be like an interview or like, you know, some sort of chat thing on AOL or whatever, it's always like, you just got to be in like, kind of like nice professional band mode and whatever. And, you know, just be like courteous. And of course we always should be. But when we went into the AMA at Reddit, I'm like, guys, Reddit is a different beast. Mm -hmm. Like we need to just be how we are. And so we got so like, we got, of course, a bunch of people were super pumped and, and but we had the classic Reddit trolls just talking shit and we just ripped into them right back like so many people talking shit and i'd be like oh that's cool like what when when does your band go on tour where what venue are you guys playing <laughs> you know like because just reddit right like the reddit trolls are like you need to respond in kind so yeah we it was awesome dare i say you guys became red card that day yes that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> That that is a soccer reference, right? Yellow card. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. They uh, obviously before my time, but they when they were young, they um, they would use that as a term, like a party foul. Like if you if you committed a party foul, you would be given a yellow card, and if you two, they would you get kicked out of the party. Mm -hmm. That's that's the story that I'm familiar with from before my time. That's a pretty. It's a, solid... it's, I think it's a Florida thing because we used to do that in Miami too. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. Well, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind because soccer is my favorite sport. Always has been. I played my whole entire childhood. 
soccer and hockey both. Um, but if yeah. I had to choose a sport, I would choose soccer. Um, so it's like, I don't mind being in a band. As a soccer reference, so. <laughs> well, Ryan, it was, it was a pleasure having you on literally. It's, it's just like, especially sharing a, a milestone, like our 200th episode. Thank you so much. We're, we're super excited to see, you know, how everything goes with the, with the, the, you know, ocean Avenue tour that you guys are currently doing. And, you know, hopefully there's a third date for when we were young fest that's added. And, uh, thanks for so much for being on your, you're an inspiration to at least, you know, a lot of us that are, you know, in our mid thirties right now that have listened to you guys for over 20 years. Well, I really appreciate that. And it's super flattering that you guys would want me on for this milestone episode of your podcast. So I, I'm honored to, uh, to, to, to be there for that. And, and, uh, I obviously had a really great time and I'd love to do it again sometime. And, and thank you guys a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you so much, man. We'll let right. you go. And awesome. the summer of yellow card, man, I got to get my tickets <laughs> awesome. Hope to see you guys there. All right. See ya. Take care, man. See you guys.